I just started like uh, meeting a couple people here and there who were like bumping Lil B and stuff like that. It just took a lot like an entirely different meaning. This like revelry that uh, that comes across whenever you come across like a fellow traveler, somebody who like slaps Lil B. It's not so much a singular thing as it is a, a matter of a communal experience. And now it's time to play it back. I'm John Asante. And I'm Gia Jung. On each episode of Play It Back, we tell stories about the unforgettable role that music plays in our lives and how it helps us get through the good days and the bad. We do that all through talking about how we discover the songs we love, hate, and appreciate. So Gia, you know, we like or appreciate nearly all types of music, but is there a genre that you came to appreciate or like over time? Oh, most definitely classical music through all my life because it started out that I was little and my mom would just drag me to classical chamber concerts at schools or in churches or anywhere where they would play throughout town and I mean as a little kid I probably thought it was kind of boring but she was determined to condition me to it and she would play records and classical music radio throughout the house and After that, I joined the orchestra, was taking piano lessons, and it was just such a part of my life that I think there's no really separating the conditioning from like the natural appreciation for it. It just kind of grew into my fiber, and now, of course, it's one of my uh, mainstays of my love for music. So you're saying at no point whatsoever, it didn't feel like any like sort of torture? Of course it did, especially when I had to practice <laughs> or if I had to sit through, you know, the kinds of classical music that are boring. I shouldn't name names, but I actually think Mozart can be excruciatingly boring. Sitting in a stuffy, silent room, very still, while really long pieces play. I mean, it wasn't always enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it that way. Well, what about you? Do you have anything like that? Well, sort of. For me, it's something like a genre that's a little bit more modern. There's a genre called chill wave that was popular about, I don't know, four or five, six years ago. And I just didn't get it. And I still kind of don't get it. It's like this weird subgenre of electronic music. And it wasn't that I wasn't into electronic music. I just didn't get why people liked a genre which every song sounded kind of the same. Incomprehensible lyrics, lo-fi quality, sounded like they were running every song through like eight different layers underwater. And I guess the turning point for me was this one day. It was really, really hot outside. It must have been in the summer. I biked home from work. I was super sweaty, and I just wanted to just calm down and vibe out to my music. I said, fine, let me try this chill wave stuff again. And so I put out an album by Washed Out called Within and Without, and I sat on my bed as I cooled down and cranked up my air conditioner and put on this song called Amor Fati. And when it came on, I put on my stereo headphones. I kind of felt like I was at peace. something clicked for me. It was about the vibe of the song. It didn't matter that I I couldn't understand any single lyric whatsoever. It was more so about the feeling that I had that like 
all the tension in my body just kind of rippled out through my fingertips. Everything just felt great. And so I came to appreciate these other bands in this genre of sorts. Yeah, I really like that story. I bet that makes listeners pretty curious about Chill Wave themselves. I, I guess so. Yeah, it makes me want to take a listen right now. <laughs> Unless they haven't Very listened cool. to themselves. But, um, so our next guest had a similar change of heart when it came to understanding an artist whose music is classified under some weird sub-sub-sub-genre, but this time more so in the hip-hop sense. And it was called Trill Wave. Now I don't really hear that, that term much anymore. Maybe it's still around, maybe it's not. But it's like a seemingly made-up section of hip-hop that has sort of this dreamlike feel, kind of like Chill Wave. A lot of weird samples and stuff. Get ready for a trip. Todd, take it away. I am Todd Whitney. I'm an independent radio producer from Chicago South Suburbs. I first came across Lil B, the bass god, on May 2nd, 2011. It was the night the Obama administration assassinated Osama bin Laden. So I had been up with my grandmother. We were just watching the news coverage and then, like, we were like, just, like, flicking around from, like, CNN to MSNBC, just in, like, all the hoopla that ensued. Like, everybody across the country was just doing their thing. People were just, like, talking mad shit on Facebook. People were, like, celebrating all across the country. And Geraldo was on the scene somewhere. I can't remember where it was. But when he was doing, like, a live interview, I remember somebody just, like, randomly, like, popping into the frame of, like, live television and, like, saying, thank you, bass guy. And I had, like, no idea, like, what that was or what that meant or anything like that. And I just remember that caught me off guard. And so I kind of just left it at that. I didn't think anything of it. And then the following day, I was just, like, doing my thing on, like, the rap logs. Now I write, hype track, two dope boys. I was big into Big Ghost Chronicles back then, just, like, going through that rabbit hole. And then there were, like, a couple posts about that particular moment. Like, a lot of people, like, had, were, like, uh, really excited about the fact that somebody had gone on live television and said, thank you, Bass God. And I was just like, all right, I, I got to find out what this means. Thank you, Bass God. Uh, went through a lot of these articles, checked out this dude, Lil B. When I found out that he was a rapper, the first thing I did was I went to YouTube. And, like, one of the first results that populated in my quest for uh, my search for Lil B was the song Wonton Soup. All right, so you start playing Wonton Soup, and it's kind of jarring from the beginning. I mean, there's, like, sirens going off. There's, you're, like, what sounds like a hype man going on, and you hear him, and then he has, like, mannerisms and stuff. Like, what is your first impression? Oh, this dude is buck wild. I had absolutely no idea, like, what was going on. I mean, it was like a gateway song. Wonton Soup is an important song for me because I, I, that was the first song I ever encountered from Lil B. And it was just as much a vision for my eyes as it was just like, what the hell am I hearing? It was like simultaneously like an audible experience and then also just visually seeing what was going on in the video. I was just like mad confused. I hadn't seen anything like that in, in the rap game in 2011. Yeah, so visually, you just got this dude wearing like a super skinny like white t-shirt with like this caricature on it that looks kind of like Pikachu, but it's not actually a Pikachu. It's like a bastardized version of Pikachu with some like uh, uh, some like neon colors for its eyes and its tongue. And it's like this dude uh, <laughs> just wandering around like what seems to be like a, a garden uh, outside. 
and he's just posted up in front of like something a big statuesque like head looks like it might be like belonging like stonehenge or something like that and he's just, like doing all these like cooking gestures and stuff like that and then like the video shot i don't i don't know anything about visuals like that but it's like hella amateur like you're getting like a lot of glare like little b is off out of focus half the time he's like <laughs> dude is just like pulling up his shirt rubbing on his abs he has like the biggest like pinky ring and like index ring i've ever seen in my life it was just like there were more ad-libs than there was rapping and then the limited rapping that there was it was just like a bunch of non sequiturs stuff that didn't Makes sense, uh, like hyper self referential. You haters don't got no felonies. Young base got flex 10 on rocks. Young base got been breaking the entering. Young base got right hot when you. Ridiculousness. I had absolutely no idea what was going on. And so I checked out a couple other videos and I was like, nah, like I'm not, I'm not rocking with this dude right here. I just, I don't get it. But that ended up changing. Uh, a little bit later, I think maybe like a month or two after that, I have no idea, but for whatever reason, I started getting back more in a little bit, and I started like listening to his music, and just as importantly, like being exposed to like the videos and like the amateur hour of his like video shoots, and I was just like, this dude is a genius. This is right around the time Kanye was always talking about his stuff, about being like the voice of a generation, and I was like, nah, nah, like Lil B is that dude right now. <laughs> So, so you're just baffled. You go, like, what is this whole thing about? Why are people paying attention to this guy? I had the same thoughts as I started hearing about Lil B. I didn't really get it. It's almost like there's this cult-ish following that he has. Yeah, no doubt. And that's exactly what it was. I think that was one of the things that interested me the most when I first got exposed to him with the video with Wonton Soup. Because it wasn't just the music. It wasn't just the video. But it was also jumping into, like, the YouTube comment section and just seeing like how quick people were to like defend this dude and his artistic vision. They just like completely like took me off guard. I had absolutely no idea what was happening, why people were all about this dude. I just didn't quite understand it. But yeah, that, that cult mentality is like a big part of, of Lil B. The ones who defend Lil B and protect him at all costs, both in real life and online, are called Bitch Mob Task Force. And so just like you got... <laughs> You got Justin Bieber has his believers. Lady Gaga has her monsters. I think that's little monsters. That's what she calls them. And then Lil B has like his um, has the task force. Like anybody who gets on any sort of like YouTube channel and starts talking reckless or greasy about Lil B, a task force member is going to be there to like, you know, shoot down and like downvote all those comments and everything like that. And that was also just like one of the things that just like completely like took me off guard for somebody I had never heard of. Like he had such a like such a vociferous and like such a, a strong like following that people were just like all about this dude it was wild and then going into the base god which is the nickname that he gave himself explain that whole thing and the whole based movement so the whole base god thing like base god is supposed to be like an alter an alter ego of Lil B so depending on the context you know sometimes he'll say he is the base god or other times it'll be Lil B is just a rapper, whereas the bass god is a, like, higher being who communicates through Lil B. Sort of like the exact same way, uh, the way that John Coltrane would say that, like, saxophone was just a, a vessel for music to flow from, like, God to other people. That's like Lil B is the vessel from, like, the bass god to, like, the internet masses and everything like that. The whole bass god thing, like, really, I was, like, mad interested in that as a phenomenon because I also noticed that bass started to appear 
not just on the internet, but specifically in like my feed on like Twitter and Facebook back in 2011, a lot more. And base used to be a term for anybody who's just like a base head, like, you know, folks smoking crack. And it was just like a pejorative in that sense. And then in a way to reappropriate the word and the meaning of the connotation of the word low be appropriated based to have a positive connotation. So base went from somebody just being like burnt out on, on crack to being somebody who just had like a solid foundation, like a really strong constitution and core. So being based just meant that you had like a solid foundation. You're just going to be positive all the time. You're just going to move through the world in like a really, in a really good way. And you're going to try and share the love with other people. At what point do you remember feeling the positivity? The whole thing about the task force is, and what Lil B represents, I, as I see it, is it's not so much a singular thing as it is a, a matter of a communal experience. So when I was like first encountering like Lil B on the internet, I came across a, bottle, like a lot of really passionate fans, which was cool. I mean, I like seeing that, but there wasn't any sort of like real world connection for me. And I, I would say that didn't exist until like a few months after I first discovered Lil B. It was when I first started grad school at, uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. I just started like uh, meeting a couple people here and there who were like bumping Lil B and stuff like that. And from that, it just took a lot like an entirely different meaning. It wasn't just me like trying to engage the base god on the internet, but it's just like you know, just like revelry that uh, that comes across whenever you come across like a fellow traveler, somebody who like slaps Lil B. It was just like such a, a different thing in that sense. Did it almost feel like you guys were a part of this club that nobody else knew about or other people didn't know? I think the thing is less that uh, people didn't know about it. I think a lot of people knew about it, but the vast majority of people who do know about it were either disgusted or utterly confused by it. I was part of that camp myself, you know, when I first when I first encountered the dude. Like I said, I was like, this is like the wackest shit I've ever encountered in my life. And there were like a legion of people on the internet to like back up what I was thinking because they would actually like write this on like a lot of his videos. And so when you come across somebody who has like an appreciation for Lil B and his artistic project and, you know, not, not just somebody who, you know, likes it in an ironic way, uh, which is like a really weird thing with like, you know, the rap internet right now, people liking Gucci Mane or Cameron from like a really ironic standpoint, but not like to fully unironically engaged with Lil B's artistic process and everything like that. Like when you find somebody like that, it was just like so cool, like a few years ago. So you have this legion, this group that's understanding what he's doing and he's preaching positivity, though there I'm sure there are outsiders who are saying, I don't get it. There's a lot of hip hop that doesn't really promote positivity. And then you come across him at motivational doing motivational speaking. How do you contextualize all of that? I spent the entire, my entire, like, grad school career trying to defend Lil B and protect his artistic vision at all costs to, like, everybody and, like, I encountered, whether it was in seminars or, like, people in my cohort. And so when I first found out that he was, that NYU was bringing him out there to give a lecture back in April of 2012, I was just, like, mad geeked and, like, super vindicated by that. Be yourself. It's okay to, to be yourself i think that's the main thing embrace yourself embrace your health and i just like had to spread the gospel i had to like proselytize the hell uh about that news because i was getting like a little bit of like uh academic validation which is something like people in academia only seem to understand that as like a form of currency there's a couple things one of the things i like is contextualizing them is incredibly difficult 
for the simple fact of just like, yeah, on one track, he's going to be talking about doing like, you know, the most ignorant shit imaginable where his status is attached to like how many felonies this dude can acquire. Like he'll go about it like that. And then the other, like the very next song you encounter, he's like in his pet shop, uh, like, you know, professing his love for animals. Uh, you also have to like engage with like his Twitter presence. The fact that he follows everybody on Twitter, it's just like really hard to pin down. And that was like one of the things that most interested me because I think especially in like a hip hop context in the, in like the later aughts, I was also just bored of like the images that I was presented with. You didn't quite have like the staid images of like, you know, gangster rappers wearing triple XL arch tees, white tees down to their knees or anything like that. But you still just had like, you know, the staid visions of like of rappers that you could easily place and put them into a category. Whereas Lil B, you always had a paradox. The second you try to do, put him in this box, you encounter like his very next video and you have to reconsider that and put him into like another box. And it was just like mad confusing. And that's one of the things I've always appreciated about him. He's difficult to pin down. He's just like absolutely just like in the ether. You just can't, you can't bring him down. He's like not mundane. He's the bass god. Would you say that Lil B is out of, I guess, any recent artists you've listened to in the last, I don't know, five, six years, one of the artists who's challenged you the most? Absolutely. Without a doubt. I'd say singularly, he's like the most challenging artist out that I've encountered over the past yeah, few years, like five, six years. You've actually inspired me to want to listen to some more Lil B and just really figure it out. But it's cool to hear like your discovery where you were like, you went from nah, I'm all right to like, okay, let me let me try him again to now you're like part of the task force. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I wrote my master's thesis on Lil B. What? Okay, you got to explain that. You wrote your master's thesis on Lil B. Okay. I was a grad student at the University of Wisconsin and it was like time to decide on what exactly I was going to do my master's thesis on and so I was going to do like you know the more traditional route of like looking at like I don't know some like grand theorist or something like that I was leaning towards somebody like Stuart Hall and then I was just like oh I'm gonna like get so tired of like you know having to having to like work through all this stuff like if I'm gonna do this I have to have something that sustains me and like legitimately like the most puzzling thing intellectually for me at that time period like a few years ago was trying to pin down Lil B and so I put myself to that and trying to figure out exactly, like, look at it, Lil B from, like, an academic standpoint. Because up to that point, there had been nobody to touch him. The title of my thesis is Welcome to Bass Jam, Nothing Like Space Jam. This is the first line of a Lil B song called Warm Ups. The first time he, he disses Kevin Durant and challenges him to, like, a, a game of basketball. Like, yeah, I, I just did my thesis on, like, Lil B and the difficulty of trying to, like, pin him down. And the different ways he occupies different spaces and different social media sites and his music. I, and I will say it was kind of weird because I, I think I had like a really, like most people, like when you say, hey, I'm going to like go defend my thesis in front of my thesis committee. Like nobody shows up. Like who wants to be part of that? The people on your committee don't even want to be part of that. But I think I had like, I had over a dozen people attend my thesis defense. I mean, if not for me, people just like wanted to hear somebody like talk about Lil B from like an academic standpoint. And it was kind of like trifling because I had like people like rolling through late, like after my thesis defense got started off, people coming through wearing pink bandanas, uh, showing like walking in like 10 minutes late after my defense started, uh, which was, <laughs> which is definitely a breach of decorum. But whatever, it's all good. It was a fun moment because whenever I'd have like some of my some of the members on my committee 
reading some of the stuff that I wrote because Lil B is all about like his a lot of the ad libs and like hashtags that he's like kicked off like mean an entirely different thing. So like rare or OMG swag, uh, this kind of stuff like that that I had actually written into my thesis. Like hearing like an academic say this, like there are people like chuckling in the background, which is just like always fun. One of the professors on my committee was said, this is a very rare video from a legendary musical artist or something like that, which is what I wrote into my thesis. And having him, he didn't say that. He was like, he actually, he just like picked up part. He just highlighted a certain section of my thesis. And he's like, so in the moment when you say Lil B is a very rare artist of revolutionary spirit, like and just hearing somebody say that and it's like such a, such a stilted way, it was always fun. <laughs> That's surreal. That's awesome. Okay, I'm glad I caught that. <laughs> I guess to kind of bring it all together, when was the last time you heard Wonton Soup? Without you Googling it, Google searching it, or just like looking it up on Spotify or something? Uh, I would have to say the last time I heard it was in when I saw Lil B live when he came to Madison, Wisconsin back in the fall of 2012. Yeah, okay, definitely. Talk about that experience. Okay, so what was that like? What's a Lil B concert like? Yo, Lil B show is just like so wild. And it is, dude, I don't even know where to start. That that concert was like hype. It was pretty much exactly what I expected. I had a couple friends who like opened up for him. So it was like cool to see them. And they're also big, big fans as well. Shout out to Michael. Shout out to Ian. Like, you know, they threw it down that night. And it was just like a revelry. So after the first like few warm-up artists, when you know that Lil B is coming out, the Majestic Theater in Madison went dark. And I think it was a pretty tame crowd up until then. I mean, the warm-up backs were cool and all. But the second you realize, oh, like this is Lil B's about to start performing right now, the lights go out and then all of a sudden you just like pushed forward. I've never experienced anything like that in my life. You just like everybody <laughs> just like started pushing toward the stage to the point where there just wasn't any sort of moving. And anybody who wasn't down with that, like too bad, tough titties, <laughs> like you're going to like toward the stage. And then like the second like the music came on, Lil B came out. It was just wild after that. He came out, I think like the first five or six tracks were just like absolute bangers that he came out with. And everybody came in from the get-go, just like, you know, you're hanging on every lyric. Everybody knows it. Everybody's rapping along with him. Every, even when he's not rapping, like half the experience of like being in a concert with Lil B is like often he won't even like rap. He'll just like pick like a, a corner of the stage and just like post up there. And he is just standing there. And everybody in the crowd is doing all the rapping. Everybody's just doing their thing, cooking. At one point, he told security to just, like, stand down. And I guess this is something that he does often. And anybody who wanted to, like, join him on stage could. I mean, it's like a wonder, because I think he does this at, like, damn near every show. When he did it, it was just like a wave of people, like, going on stage, doing everything they could to just, like, literally just touch the dude. Or, like, take parts of his shirt, take his shades, take his bass vans. You know, just like doing anything it could to just like touch this dude. <laughs> so what's that feeling like when Wonton Soup comes on? Oh, man. Wonton Soup is a particularly good song to cook to. So the dance, uh, Libby just started it. And essentially, you're just like putting on like an entire like show. Like you're, you're just like you're cooking. It's just like doing your own thing. You're trying to work yourself up to becoming like a master chef. And like you're just doing any sort of like moves that you want but I think the basic gestures are just you know doing things like turning on the stove and then you're going to be like you know flipping things around in the wok and then you're going to be like feeding yourself and potentially feeding other people um, as you're doing the cooking dance 
and you just going out there and I just remember looking at like some people like hanging on to every lyric and then just like, you know, just like seeing the lyrics like I almost went to jail for like five hundred days. Simultaneously like you're thinking about like how bizarre of an idea that is to express, but also just like who like who cares like what he's saying. He just like says it with like such a ferocity. Uh it's so cool. But that song in particular, like, yeah, I guess it it does hold like a little bit of special sway over me because again that was like my that was like my gateway drug into like the entire Lil B world into based world it's more of that he's bringing this sort of feeling the sort of vibe from his art and it's not necessarily like you have people are hanging on every word but it's not necessarily the words that people are concentrating on it's more of the vibes and the feeling that they're getting from it absolutely it's um you know just like incoherent ideas and that's perfectly fine it's you know what he's going for is just trying to he's trying to like translate a feeling and a vibe to you and i think he's been effective at that in a way that really nobody else really has been without any sort of like major marketing scheme behind him this is a dude who just like started off with like 155 different my myspace pages in order to like enable to like hold his like vast catalog of songs i've read anecdotes of little b just like directly reaching out to people being like hey thank you for supporting me that kind of stuff like that. It's not the kind of stuff where you're going to have like some like A&R backing you up or some marketing department. It's just like, nah, this dude like for the most part does his own thing. And just like any engagement that he has with like his fans seems to be completely sincere. So I think Todd did it. I think he kind of made me a little B fan. Thanks a mil to uh, Todd Whitney for sharing your story. Todd is an independent radio producer whose work has been featured on NPR, Transom, KALW, and Audible. You can follow him on Twitter at Todd LeFou. That's T-O-D-D-L-E-F-O-U. Play It Back is produced by me, John Asante. And me, Gia Jung. Shout out to Amos Rose for making our theme music. If you're a fan of our work, subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love it if you could rate our podcast and leave a review. It helps others find us and spread the good word. You can also find us on Facebook at Play It Back. We're on Twitter at Play It Back Radio. And if you want to hear more about Lil B's wonton soup, check out our website, playitbackradio.tumblr.com. As always, we want to hear from you too. Have you ever changed your mind about a song or an artist, for better or for worse? Hit us up at playitbackradio.com at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Later.